Computer, initialize Holosuite. Holosuite Media. We are back for another episode of The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast. I am one of your two hosts, Kyle West. I'm joined by, as always, Chris Hill. How's it going? It's going well, my friend. It's going well. Uh, I'm looking forward to pretending to be a fashion expert this week (laughs) as we jump into the uniforms of Star Trek Enterprise. So we were initially talking before about tackling like all of the clothing in enterprise but it's such a i mean just looking at the run down that you've got for this week it's just no there's a lot to cover just with starfleet uniforms so uh, maybe we'll tackle other stuff later but i'm really looking forward to this week's conversation you know one of my favorite uniforms maybe my favorite uniform altogether on the nxo one so before we do get talking and chris you're going to be leading the conversation for us this week I just want to remind everyone that they can find us on all good podcast apps and you can type in The Expanse, an enterprise podcast to find us and please subscribe to us. It means the world to us, helps with our numbers, helps us climb up those algorithms and also another thing that helps us with that is a rating. So please give us a rating. We're on 4.8 overall. And it's incredibly frustrating because we've said before, we've had five-star reviews all through, except for one where the person even said they loved what they heard on our show, but they had come across a spoiler, which we'd warned about previously anyway, and uh, they hadn't seen the show yet. So they rated us a two because of that, and it's dragged us down to (laughs) 4.8. But every review is great to us. If you have suggestions for the show, get in touch. You can get hold of us on Twitter, at nxo1 podcast same on facebook same on instagram and same on patreon which i guess i should probably drop the details right now if you enjoy listening to the expanse a star trek enterprise podcast every week then please consider supporting our show by becoming a patron visit our patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash nx01 podcast to view our subscription tiers benefits of becoming a patron include earlier access to our episodes bonus episodes and much more your support helps us continue to maintain and exceed the high level of quality that you have come to expect from this show to all our existing patrons we appreciate you and your generosity so much and to those of you considering joining us we will be so thankful to welcome you into our group of patrons visit www.patreon.com forward slash nx01 podcast for more details you will also be able to find the website link in the details for this podcast episode chris i'm going to hand over to you uh, you take on the uh, the main guy duties this week my friend all right like like i was saying we decided to kind of go through the uh 
the attire there on on Star Trek Enterprise and just kind of coming up starting off with the uniforms I wound up coming with a with a pretty big list so uh we'll just start off with the uh, the duty uniforms the jumpsuits definitely something we hadn't seen before in Star Trek because yeah. it was mainly either tunics and black pants or pajamas yeah yeah, if I understand right, they this was part of the research they did beforehand, where they would go into onto submarines and things, and uh, I guess visiting like Navy, the U.S. Navy as well, maybe yeah. on, on ships, and we're getting a real feel for what it felt like on those boats on the submarines, and then that played into the set design over the NX-01, mm-hmm. but it also played into the uniform design, I guess. I don't know what the U.S. military yeah. were wearing at the time, but whenever I watch a film, they seem to be in jumpsuits or something close to that when they're um, on a submarine, so I take it that's how it is. It was a lot lot easier for, for the Navy guys to be, be in, in jumpsuits than their, you know, regular dressier-type uniforms. So, but yeah, with, with the jumpsuit, gave you a lot of pockets. You do love the pockets. You mentioned this... Yes, yes. ...several <laughs> months ago about... Loving the uh, the pockets on the uniforms. I love that. That's the first note we have, guys, on our, on yes. our rundown. Lots of pockets. Oh, yeah. Two exclamation points, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah, it was nice seeing, you know, how they had pockets where they were easily, you could easily reach them. They were actually fully functional pockets and not just, you know, fake ones. We saw them get used, didn't we? We saw... Yeah. I can specifically remember occasions where I remember Archer and Reed using their pockets. Mm-hmm. Can't think what they actually were getting out of them. Tricorders, maybe? I don't know. I know in one of the episodes, Archer was reaching reaching into the pocket to grab the communicator. Ah, yeah, yeah. That's great. That's such a cool little touch, you know? Because, yeah, the future. We need pockets in the future as well. Absolutely. Yeah. As far as doing, like, the, the ranks and everything, instead of having them up on the collars, it was on the uh, the right shoulder. Just kind of right above the hipping or striping, whichever one you want to call it. I thought it was interesting with the pips, though, that they took on the rank structure of uh, the later 24th century Trek with the pips. Because obviously the pips didn't exist in TOS. So I thought it was an interesting decision to do that. I'm trying to think on Discovery, which I've just watched as we're doing this, whether they they have pips on Discovery. They've got them on the comm badge. That's right. Yeah, that's right. It's a bit more, yeah, a bit more subtle, yeah. Sort of like the stripes on, on, the, on the top of the shoulder kind of also help determine the rank. Yeah, yeah. I remember there was a bit of hoo-ha about this back mm-hmm. at the time about the fact that it was like, oh, what are they using rank pips for? They didn't have that in TOS. And I was like, we're ignoring some of the obvious TOS things they've taken for the uniform, yeah. though. We're talking about colors in a moment, but I'd like to know, like the thinking behind that. You know, like why? Because that would have been a decision they would have made. They would have weighed up the fact that TOS didn't have mm-hmm. The rank pips, but still chose to do it. I'm curious as to what would have made that. I like it. I thought they were a lot more. I think the word is I'm looking for a bit more subtle, I guess, than yeah how they were on some of the 24th century um, shows that we saw. I just felt that they very seamlessly, uh, no pun intended, I guess, uh, they seamlessly blended in with the rest of the the uniform. I thought yeah, whereas it was a bit different when it used to be on the neck, wasn't it? It was very much one of the first things you'd look at when someone was talking. You might just look at their pips. Yeah, right there at their neck. So. We'll kind of get get into this a little bit later, but with their dress uniforms, they did have the the braiding on the on the lower sleeves, like in the original series, or what would be a hundred years later form. So you can kind of see how they they decided to evolve it. But then they also had the pips on the on the front too, which seemed a little redundant to me. But we'll get we'll get more into that later. They did have the uh, the division colors, you know, kind of outlining the shoulders. 
I liked how they went back with the TOS form where, you know, command was gold, engineering and security were red, and then the sciences blue, which the sciences never changed throughout. So. I was always a massive fan of that. That was one of those things. Call me easily pleased, because I am generally when it comes to my, <laughs> uh, you know, my, my fandoms, but I loved they were back to yellow for command. Like that, to me, screamed prequel. Yeah. Moving away from the red and back to yellow, I, I just immediately thought Kirk. And that's the first track I ever saw. Not like I fully remember it, but it was the first track I ever saw. And I remember at the time just being in love with the fact they were in yellow. And now I don't think anything of it. I can watch Enterprise now. And if anything, it feels odd if I see, if I watch a 24th century show and they're in red. Um, <laughs> I'm, I've always been curious as to why the, the change happened. Have you ever seen any comments from costume designers as to why they did that? I think it was mainly because the red shirts got the uh, reputation for dying. So they, they switched it between the original series and next gen. Yeah, that would make sense to me. I initially had thought maybe it was because the TOS cast at this point were in red uniforms mm-hmm. in the cinema. So maybe they thought there'd be some kind of visual link. But now you've said that, I feel like I've heard that before. So maybe maybe there's a lot of mileage in that that theory. But I, I really like that they didn't... Because, mate, you know like when people do these prequels and then everyone's always amazed at how well they can tie them in but there's always one or two little details you're like ah why they got that bit they got that bit wrong how do they get that bit wrong and get all these other bits right the division colors on the uniforms is one of those things that they could have got wrong yeah they could have just done it with the stuff they had from the rest of the Berman era and then none of us would have been any wiser until the trailer dropped yeah. and then all hell would have broken loose. So I think, uh, I've got the name to hand, but whoever did the costume design on the uniforms specifically, well done, you know, well done. And God, we probably should give Rick Berman a round of applause for actually approving it. <laughs> yeah, doing something right. <laughs> Am I right in saying, Chris, because you watched Enterprise... That was your next track after TOS. Yeah. The you hadn't even left yellow as a command color yet. Not really. I mean, because I, I I had seen a couple couple episodes of Next Generation. I mean, I knew I knew it was different because you know different show, but I I really appreciated the kind of call forward, if you will, to the original by having the divisions the same. So where do we think the blue came from? Well, they weren't quite blue. They, they the uniforms turned blue, didn't they? More blue in season four. Yeah, they started out a darker blue and then became a lighter blue. Yeah, so where do we think the blue came from within Starfleet's color system? And why do we think it got, got dropped? Because that's what I love about Discovery, by the way. I can't remember if that's in your rundown order at all, but Discovery yeah. really sort of helped make the Enterprise uniforms more canon. Right. And for me, Chris, I didn't immediately make the connection when I first saw the Discovery uniforms. I went through a, as I, I can recall, I went through a rush of, oh my God, look, it's the new cast pictures or whatever mm-hmm. it was, how we saw the uniforms, to being a bit like, oh, I'm not sure how much I like these now. I'm not sure. And I, and I was like, why is it blue? <laughs> and then I was like, oh, wait. I was like, holy, holy shit, they've tied it into Enterprise. You know, this looks like a logical continuation from the Enterprise uniforms, yeah. which would have been... Well, we saw they were still in, well, we'll come on to the variation of them, but we know that color was still in mm-hmm. play, what, 80, yeah, about 90 years 80, before. 80, yeah, 80, so. years, yeah. And then I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. And it made Enterprise seem legitimate. I've had this conversation with my father before, I think. I think he said he didn't like that they were in different uniforms so close to TOS. Yeah. But I was like, well, you know what? I kind of rather see them keep synergy with Enterprise than with TOS because I can believe that they could end up at TOS which yeah. we later see in season two that they do and actually they go with a 
amazing hybrid design where it's still got yeah. the, the color of the the discovery uniforms but in the design not so much the color but but then the tos color and i just think they've managed to bridge a gap to enterprises uniforms but you know why were starfleet using blue as their predominant color for for 100 years 100 years plus we'd my my guess is the recognizability of the NX-01 just became so really iconic that Starfleet was like, hey, we'll probably just have everybody else be in these blue jumpsuits because that represents Starfleet and that's what we are now. That's how they go for the bright colors of uh, of exploration. Um, yes. And when they get away from war and violence, they go to nice bright colors. Sorry, that was a bit of a detour uh, from division colors, but I just thought it's interesting to me that they went with blue because we hadn't really ever seen blue as a prominent color except for on, you know, Mr. Spock and Bones. Beyond that, we, but blue had never really been a main color. It was a secondary characters wearing it, and then suddenly we get we end up with blue as the predominant main. We can kind of branch off a little bit too with the uniforms they had on the USS Kelvin, which those were more of a teal but still with still within the the blue shade, and that kind of, you know, have you know are are the enterprise ones then the ones that they had on the Kelvin and then discovery so that's sort of like a nice little flow between everything oh it's nice to see enterprise being so influential yeah and influential in star trek now isn't it you know we did we did see the assignment patch there on on the left hand side and if you look in episodes it was either affliction or divergence whichever one we kind of started out on columbia you'll see that theirs is is different than than enterprises but they still have the Starfleet patch, don't they, on the right? That actually didn't come until 2161. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. gosh. There we go. Okay. <laughs> Do you know, I thought that, but I kept seeing images or pictures of this Starfleet patch. And I was also always thinking, God, did I just miss it? So I assumed it was always there. And you're the first person who's actually said to me, no, it wasn't there actually until until the, like, the final episode or something. I'm like, oh my... The, the, the final episode. Yeah, the alleged <laughs> final episode, yeah. And I'm just like, oh crap, I, I was actually right that they weren't wearing this. I thought I was going crazy. Yeah. And you've made me feel a little bit more sane <laughs> with that revelation for me. Yeah, but yeah, with, with those uniforms, they put uh, epaulets on top of the shoulders, making it a little, a little more of a, a formal type for whatever reason. Just kind of thinking back to my time having to wear uniforms. And everything is like, yeah, if you have your jumpsuit, you don't really need the epaulets a whole lot. They're on military clothing, aren't they? Yeah. Because yeah, I remember my, my father was uh, was in the Navy uh, Reserves decades and decades ago. I just feel like I remember the visual of that. So I guess you could kind of, maybe that was our hint at the Romulan War. Yeah. These are the Voyages didn't mention that war at all, which was meant to have been Starfleet's first real conflict. You know, forget the Zindi thing, and act, but an actual full-on war. Maybe that was it. Maybe maybe they took on a more meaner uniform approach to remind them of their war days. But uh, I mean, gosh, there's. I, I said at the top of this show that the NX01, twenty-second well, century Starfleet uniform, might be my favorite in Trek. But good God, I mean, what, they bastardized it in this last <laughs> episode. I think we discussed this. Yes, uh, like, about four months ago. But oh, carry on. <laughs> And they put the the person's name on the left side, which if they were going to kind of follow similar protocols to what we have now, the name would actually be on the right side, and then Starfleet would have been on the left. See, that's something you would know, and, and yeah. yeah, not me. But, I mean, I've always thought the names looked awful. Off the top of my head, it was in a red color. Like, even white would have looked better, but maybe it wouldn't have looked as good on camera, I don't know. Yeah. But it made no sense to me. It, I thought it looked tacky. 
honestly. I, I thought they, they were oversized. I thought the name and I didn't understand why it was there. Why is the name there? You're talking now about all these comparisons to the past, you know, and uh, what military clothing is like now or has been in the last hundred years, say. But why would Starfleet have gone back? I don't know. Maybe it ties again to that Romulan war. Maybe they needed to identify bodies quickly. Yeah. And so I wanted to see the name on there. I don't know. What's the reason for the name being on uh, generally, like even nowadays? Usually it's to, to identify, especially like if you can't get to the to the dog tags quickly. Um, oh, it's actually for that then, is it? Yeah. Okay. Wow. What a guess. <laughs> you at least know the person's last name, if nothing else. Well, that makes sense. Okay. Oh, wow. Actually, as we're talking about this then, the uniform, as much as I hate it in that episode, it's starting to make a bit more sense to me. Yeah. Like, it is starting to feel like it's the only reference ever to the Roman War in Enterprise, uh, in retrospect. Okay. Wow. I did not expect to have this feeling on the show. Personally, what I would have done is I would have, you know, had the name on the right side and then you know, Starfleet on, on the left and maybe like on one of the pockets ha- have it embroidered to the logo as opposed to having a patch on the on the right sleeve, like they showed. I think you've said before quite clearly what you thought of the uniforms in that last yeah. episode, but like it's now we're in an actual proper discussion about it. What do you think about that change for the last 40 minutes? It was It was something that was definitely different. Now that I'm kind of thinking about it a little bit more, maybe the epaulets were there for like, you know, holding like, you know, flashlights or something as they were walking about, just to make it easier for them so that way they could use their hands. So it would have kind of served a purpose since they weren't always going to be in their environmental suits, which we'll get into later too. So God, I feel like we've kind of logic our way into kind of liking them. <laughs> yeah, have we have we headcanoned <laughs> like the reasons for the changes in the uniform fifteen years after we saw them for the first time, we've now mm-hmm. finally explained it why they made these changes. Gosh, like that to me now is that's it, that's headcanon. That's with me. Yeah, and actually, you know, Robert Blackman was the one that designed the uniforms. One of his his wishes was to have the name on the uniform as well. So okay. which, you know, now, since, you know, we've got we've got it after, you know, the Romulan War, they kind of allowed him to get his wish for, for that. Well, we're done with the main uniform, so we'll go on to what we pretty much see underneath. Typically, when they're in their jumpsuits, they do have, you know, just basically a, a black mock turtleneck. We've seen Archer, you know, parading just in, in, in the black shirt there. It does button up as opposed to, you know, just being basically a full-on mock turtleneck. And I guess the best way I can sort of describe the full-on pants is pajamas or long underwear. <laughs> ba- basically off of, you know, the, the one time we saw it in, you know, a night in sickbay. Because he doesn't have his full uniform, so he's got to have something, something there. And as far as the undergarments, well, it's the classic blue tank top, blue boxer briefs, outlined in black. Yeah, and we saw probably Trip wearing this more than the name. Although Archad is... Arch has a significant time. Mm-hmm. Reed, Reed did too. Reed did too. Reed most specifically can remember Sleeping Dogs, that episode where they were on the Klingon ship that was falling into the star, I think, off the top of my head, at the end of that. And uh, you have to be in good shape mm-hmm. on the show. You know, we saw the, we obviously saw Hoshi as well Yep. in the female uh, version of it. With Travis, we didn't really see much. He was walking around mainly in, in you know the, the tank tops. That were kind of you know cut off a little bit more, just to show, show off, show, his... show, showing off the guns. <laughs> yeah, showing off his incredible physique. 
one thing that I didn't really like about having all those scenes there was it was basically there to, in in essence, in my opinion, objectify Lisa and, and Jolene in those particular scenes. Yeah. That feeling definitely comes more in A Night in Sick Bay, which we spoke about previously, particularly for Linda Parks. I don't think she was, oh, Sleeping Dogs, she would have been in there as well. So yeah, she had done more than one appearance in there, actually. I agree with you. It was the decon chamber existed yeah. to um, uh, titillate the male audience. Um, But I guess you could argue they were quite equal with it. With the Starfleet garments, anyway, I can't off the top of my head think. I don't think Hoshi's looked any different to the men's, but I mean, um, the, the was the midriff. Hers, hers was the same as as Tapal's. It had the, oh, the midriff showing. I mean, Tapal's one was so. abysmal, though. Like, you know, I can't. Well, because she was the one in the cat suit because of Berman's fascination with the damn things. And I know we're going to come onto that later, but like when you see the decon chambers, look. Don't get me wrong. Jolene was in fantastic shape Mm -hmm. and had an incredible physique on her and she's not unpleasant to look at (laughs) you know and i think male female straight gay uh whatever else someone may be i think we can all recognize that jolene looks fantastic there but it's yeah i mean her stuff was too short it was too small and i thought the guys looked all right in it funnily enough it probably was designed with that in mind as well to make sure the men Probably, sadly, to make sure the men were more comfortable. Yeah. Wearing him. I mean, you look at, um, you know, look at Trip. He was. That's all he was wearing, really, for, for a <laughs> well, lot of yeah, a lot yeah. of acquisition. And we saw him in Precious Cargo in it again, yeah. and uh, it was it was one of his other main outfits, I guess. I mean, he said he saved the goddamn Enterprise in his underwear. Yeah. But is that is that normal for an organization like Starfleet or like uh, any anything nowadays to issue like the undergarments as well usually you will have like an undershirt um with your with any of your uniforms um i know in the marine corps it's it's no matter if you're wearing you know our desert version or the uh woodland version of the camouflage we've got it's still a like an olive green shirt underneath in boot camp they do issue you basically just boxers that are the same color they they also kind of double as as your uh PT gear, your physical training gear. So actually, a lot of the stuff they were doing here was was right to have Starfleet underwear and things like that. It was it was accurate. Okay, fair play. Can we just talk about the the decon then for a minute? Yeah. Why would they have worn clothes in there at all if they were having to apply like a lot of the time gels and stuff? Yeah, because the clothes would be contaminated. Because mm-hmm. we know they're wearing them under the uniforms, generally speaking. So wouldn't they just lose them? Wouldn't they just be like? Stark bollock naked, rubbing stuff into each other. You would think. Oh God! I mean, that would be uncomfortable, <laughs> wouldn't it? Imagine. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Well, if it was made today and Rick Berman was in charge, definitely we would see stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. If it was on, yeah, if it was on streaming service <laughs> like CBS All Access, uh, we'd be seeing everything. But yeah, it just doesn't make any sense that you'd have clothes on in there anyway. But I guess, like you said, they they only exist in the show because of the decon chamber and the objectifying the T'Pol character or Jolene because yeah it's not even the characters it's Jolene there yeah. it's like oh look we've got a sexy actress or you know Hoshi as well but two sexy actresses let's try and show as much of their skin as we can get away with on network TV and then some like back then that first yeah. decon chamber scene in uh, Broken Bow and then the uh, the one in 
Knight in Sick Bay with just Archer and Topol. Like those are pushing a few barriers, like, you know, and pushing the limits. Then later on when we see, you know, Jolene's bum on screen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Gosh. It's awful, isn't it? The more we yeah. talk. You know, as we're having this conversation, I've just been watching uh, Discovery's uh, third episode. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to see the strong representation of women mm-hmm. in that show. And then to kind of what... And and that's yeah. what we should be objectifying is their strength, not their physical, physical appearances. Yeah. But, you know, we're seeing a difference now in that there's, there's more women in senior roles. Mm-hmm. You know, as opposed to... Before there wasn't, <laughs> yeah, you know, um, there just wasn't. It was mostly men creating the shows or running the shows, and the male gaze is what we were seeing Star Trek through. Well, yeah. from the very first episode in in 1966, we've seen we've always seen it through the male gaze. Now we can kind of we'll kind of transition from that to something that I much prefer talking about is the, the the headgear. They had two styles from from what I can remember. One was more like a regular U.S. Army cover where it's not quite like what I have on my head currently, where it's sort of resembles the kind of uh, hats they wore in the, in the American Civil War on both sides, but sort of rounded off. And then we also did see one that's actually more like mine. It's an actual baseball cap. I was a big lover of the baseball cap. Like when we see Archer and Trip, first time we see them in Broken Bow and they got the caps on, and I just was like, wow, these are so much closer to us than yeah. they are uh, any other Trek. And uh, I loved them. I mean, I'm so jealous. Every time we do the show and you're wearing your NX-01 hat, I'm just like, oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I want one of those. A lot of times I'll wear it at work, too. I mean, I've only gotten a couple of people to kind of recognize it, but that's all right. Meeting Trekkies in the wild, man. I love the hats, though. I thought it was great. And I love that they never forgot about them, either. Yeah. You know, they made many appearances throughout the show. So um, I, and say, I like yeah. touches like that. Yeah, I'm gonna say it, it, as as the show went on, though they did kind of you know fall out sparingly, and when I saw it once in, in the final season, but that had been but, in um, uh, the Forge, or whatever I think the episode so, was called. Yeah, yeah. So we've still seen them when they're on like in particularly hot environments, but I guess there wasn't many of those, as you said, as as the show went on longer. Yeah. Next thing I've got on here is the dress uniforms, which yeah, this was more you know for. For your your diplomatic and formal settings, it was fairly similar to the jumpsuit. A lot of times, it was actually more of a two piece set, fewer pockets, but that's okay. You don't need a whole lot of pockets when you're engaging in diplomatic missions. <laughs> and on here, they included you know both pips and the braids on the sleeves for to signify rank. And we really only saw any dress uniform in the final episode. Can I just say Archer's uniform? In the end, like the dress uniform with the white collar. Wow. Yeah. That was a fantastic uniform design compared to what we saw in use on the ship. It's one of Archer's definitive looks for me. You know, if you think of Archer in the show, I always kind of picture him in that uh, uniform. And I think Trek has had some good dress uniforms mm-hmm. and some really tacky uniforms like i hated the ones that were kind of around the guess from the tng era of the this have like the gold yeah the gold trim i thought it looked tacky sometimes but then on the other hand the dress uniforms in star trek insurrection mm-hmm. which i can't remember if we saw them ever again uh we saw it at the beginning of nemesis too yeah i was about to say that we see them there during the wedding yeah 
that was also a gorgeous variation of the normal uniform. And then this was like the next one along that's done it. And I feel like we're on a good run now, <laughs> you yeah. know, of, of dress uniforms. They don't look... Because beforehand, they didn't always look like something you would wear for an important meeting with someone, you know? It was kind of like, wow, that looks worse than your normal uniform, mate. Why are you wearing that? Yeah. So I'm, I was a big fan. I mean, did you like that uniform Archer was wearing at the... I do. My really only problem is having, you know, both the pips and the sleeve braids to signify rank. Why is that a problem for you? Because in the military dress uniforms, the rank is on the sleeve, so you don't need the rank on the collars. Okay. Like, the only time that you would put, you know, rank, it would be if, if it's raining out and you've got, got the big trench coat to go with your, your uniform, you'd put the your ranks on, on the epaulets on the rain jacket. God, how much money do the militaries of the world spend on these <laughs> various different uniforms and overcoats and <laughs> I don't know. underwear? I don't want to know. I'm just glad I got it for free. The next uniform that we kind of see is the uh, the flag officer's uniform. Um, it was more more of a, a navy blue as opposed to, you know, like the, the lighter blues that we saw with the jumpsuits or even archer's dress uniform. This one included more of a tie. It would be similar to, like in the Army, the, the Class A's. In, in, in the Marine Corps, we called them Alphas, which it was a green jacket that had the rank on the sleeve and, and everything. And you'd have ribbons on, on for, you know, stuff that you were awarded with. So. And the striping was different on or the flag officer uniforms. It was a, a red and white one, just kind of signifying that it was different. Because we see that mostly on, on Admiral Forrest. And again, it did have pips and uh, sleeve braids. That's one of the things that, that I still don't quite understand why they did both. I guess they didn't have any ribbons or, any, or medals or anything to, to stick on. So they had to have something on the front. So, on to the excursion uniforms. We saw these ones just a couple times in Desert Crossing and Kirshara. Those were the two main ones. If you've ever seen what, what the frog suits kind of look like with the Marine Corps, that's what I'm guessing they, they drew it from. Because with, with the wolf frog suits in the Marine Corps, they've got, instead of, you know, it being a solid color on the sleeve, it's the uh, it would be the, the desert pattern that we have. The assignment patch, again, was on, on the left side, just like the, the regular jumpsuit. Had more and more regular pants, but still pockets, because you need pockets out in space. This is my favorite uniform uh, in Enterprise as a whole. I love this uniform. And it came out of nowhere as well, like Desert Crossing, which was something of a nothing episode. Like, I enjoyed it. It's a really good episode. But just out of the blue, these amazing uniforms, uh, which were completely different. I remember the first time I watched it thinking, oh, shit, man, (laughs) Trip and Archer look badass. I love that. And and then obviously when they brought it back, when we saw it, as you said, in Kishara, when Archer's wearing it, like what an amazing design. I think if I did do cosplay at a convention or something, it would be, I think I've said to Katie before, like it would be that uniform. That would be the one I'd want to wear because it just looked so normal. Yeah. As you said, like it looked similar to suits um, uh, in use nowadays. And like, it, yeah, it does. It just looks like normal clothing that we would wear. It's probably one of the easiest Trek costumes you could make for that, for that reason alone. I love this design and for me as well that was such a smart costume decision on the show because i'm trying to think off the top of my head have we ever really seen track acknowledge 
different weather conditions to change in the gear like not really no i I can't think of anything off the top of my head i know i know the one where odo and quark are stranded on that one planet they they did have sort of an expeditionary type gear but yeah i mean more like this this proper almost camouflage gear you know they were wearing it so you can't notice them amongst the sand and i just i i thought it was just amazing that they went to that detail Mm because normally in track they would just show up in their normal uniforms regardless of the (laughs) of how hot it is there they'd just be there in standard jumpsuits yeah yeah i loved it i love this design man that leads us to our excursion jackets which i didn't realize that there were actually three different kinds the heavier jacket like we saw in broken bow which was more of a quilted just kind of reading up my guess it was for you know between 20 and 40 degrees fahrenheit you know for for more colder temperatures just kind of keep you insulated that way the next one was the uh the, the type b which wasn't quilted but still had this the same design it was more of a, a light jacket for for the milder areas and then they did have an overshirt like we saw in Kirshara that uh, archer put over over his his main suit uh uh yeah his main suit there which that one actually didn't have any patches or anything just pockets so that would probably actually be about, about the easiest one to do i think we've said this off mic mm-hmm. off air many times about the the heavier version of the jacket seen in broken bow mm-hmm. was the best yeah. jacket and i don't think we ever saw that specific jacket in use again like off the top of my head i can't think when we saw it because i remember like the lighter jackets and such i remember yeah. seeing those thinking that they were a bad knockoff yeah, yeah same like, thing but, but just yeah like you see it and you, i remember when i first watched it i was like oh they're in the coats again wait do i remember the coats or jackets different to how they were and then you watch broken bow and you're like no that is a different jacket and then it was like is it meant to be a different jacket or did they just misplace those jackets? And I'd like to think that by 2001, Trek wasn't losing stuff anymore, like in the warehouse, yeah. you know? So it's like, no, this must be a deliberate choice. I mean, I love the heavier version. If I could get one of them for like this, we've had nonstop rain for like three days now. Yeah. Really bad rain. And if I could have one of those heavy jackets, <laughs> I'd be happy. I'd be set for the winter. Now that we've, you know, kind of circled back to our heavier jackets, they did have a, an Arctic gear available we saw this in the anar when uh, archer and shran head down to andoria had se- several layers with it insulated um definitely for your your sub-zero fahrenheit areas which would be like what like negative 20 for you guys no, i don't even know i get confused even just the mention <laughs> of fahrenheit so i'm, I'm just like baffled <laughs> by it because i'm in i'm a celsius guy and i will be until i die i thought it was very you know given the budget cuts that season four suffered and despite that the amount of changes to the bridge we saw and yeah they definitely using different jumpsuits because of the color i did think we were incredibly lucky to get the arctic gear yeah because i don't know if they repurposed something or maybe it was, maybe it was cheaper to knock up than you'd think but you're still paying the person to make them um yeah yeah i just thought we were lucky to get it given what it was like but then they couldn't you know, just for continuity for nitpickers, which is what we're doing right now, I guess. You couldn't have, you know, the the, the desert gear, the uh, you know, the different jackets for different temperatures stuff, and then not have something for when you go into like into an Arctic environment. Like they had to have something, didn't they? 
I, I really liked, you know, kind of like how they look and, and how they were able to actually fit Andorians, too, because at that point, you know, it wasn't really, it was, it was mainly designed for, for humans, but Vulcans could also put it, but it's nice that, you know, the Andorians were able to fit, mm. which I don't know why the Andorians would exactly need it, since they were kind of used to their planet. Maybe they would um, become so used to interplanetary travel that anyone who'd been off-world wasn't so acclimatized to their own homeworld anymore. I'm going to say that that's possible too. All right. Now we'll go on to the uh, environmental suits, which I think, I think these are the best environmental suits. Easy. Maybe a close second would be the ones that they've got on discovery. But... Yeah. I was going to but... say that discovery is a second without, without shadow of a doubt. Um... But yeah, see the, these environmental suits definitely uh, protect you better than the, the shower curtain versions we see in the naked time. As far as, you know, as far as another T, the other TOS EV suit that we saw, it, it kind of seems like that would be a more natural progression from them, especially what we, considering what we saw there in the motion picture that, that Spock was wearing. I think the Discovery ones are quite a logical continuation, aren't they? Yeah. yeah don't get me wrong, I doubt, I doubt very much they did much reference at all to the NX-01 EV suits when they did the Discovery ones. I bet they were just going kind of off what is in use now and then making it futuristic. But it does feel like a logical... I mean, I wish they'd kept the colouring. That would have been cool. Perfect. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you'll describe now what, what the Enterprise 1 was like. So. It was more of a cop- copper colour. Did have a little bit of rubber on the outside, at least, you know, that we saw, since they didn't exactly give it a name. They did have uh, name tags and, and assignment patches on the front of the suit. So that's probably where they decided to go ahead and put it on the actual uniforms mm. during the Romulan War. Um, you did actually have an undersuit as well, in case you got to a spot where you could, you know, restore whatever atmosphere was needed on that ship and then muck about on, on the ship that you needed to, uh, which we saw in Sleeping Dogs. Again, that's another great detail. They're not just putting it over their, over their standard uniform. Yeah. I find that stuff... Like, I know someone's been paid to think of that stuff, but... It's still just, I, I appreciate the effort that goes into that, you know. If we could just circle back onto the name tag things. I, off the top of my head, I can't remember the names on the EV suits. Would that mean that every crew member has an EV suit on the ship? That would be my guess, either that or they have, you know, just a certain number of, of different sizes and the name tag can come off and on. Right. Just it can come off and on. What's the point in even, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, what a gorgeous suit. You know what makes these suits less enjoyable to see on screen, though? Now is knowing how much the actors hated them. Yeah. Hated them. And even now they're still talking about about it. I saw an interview with Flox himself recently, John Blinsley, and he was asked about the EV suits. And he's like, yeah, those are horrible, horrible things to wear. I think it was just they were really bad on your back and probably yeah. quite hot and stuffy. And thankfully he said he never had to wear it for too much i think he had one episode yeah yeah that was like it. one episode and he said that was bad that was rough but then he was obviously asked about and i've not heard anything with the story before about mal about uh, dominic keaton having a meltdown on set one day when he'd been in the suit apparently for uh, for a long time so i don't know with reed it could have been any number of episodes when that was the, the most obvious one seems to be minefield when he was in the suit but there was other occasions and apparently he just lost it with the director. And so uh, John was talking about that, and he said that, he said the, in the case of Dominic Keaton, he said, well, you know, he felt 
they got, I think, all the shots done and the director wanted to get a shot or something from a different angle. Just one or two last shots. Then apparently Dominic Keaton just lost his shit about it. It's always funny, isn't it, when you hear about actors suddenly yeah. losing their shit on set. But when you hear about how close the crew and the cast were you know, on the show, for like Dominic Keaton to just have had this moment where he just lost his shit... Uh, over the suit they must have been pretty unpleasant doesn't sound like they're exaggerating and they're all saying it aren't they like they're, they're all yeah. saying yeah these suits are horrible to wear i'm guessing that it was more of a, a metal as opposed to a plastic because that's the only only reason i can think of for it to be heavier i struggle with my back uh, these days anyway and so just the thought of being one of them makes me feel bad uh, chris if we should remember as well that they were using the imagery of the crew in these suits to really sell the show. Yeah. There's that image which we're using actually on our art for the show uh, on podcast apps where, you know, they walk in with their helmets and stuff. You know, they look like Neil Armstrong and other mm-hmm. famous, uh, you know, famous astronauts. And I guess that's the image they were trying to evoke and say, look, they're so close to us again, you know, and uh, and it worked. Those images, even now, you look at them and they're some of the best cast photos I think Trek has ever put out. And I think they still hold up. Did they have this great design and then someone in marketing thought, oh, wow, we need to push this more? Or did they, did the EV suit get the attention because they wanted something to sell the show on as being more modern and hip and closer to home? I wouldn't begin to to know, but I mean, I'm glad that they decided to, to have them all, you know, at least jump in for a quick photo shoot and go from there. Next thing on my list that I've got here is the, the medical attire. We really didn't see a whole lot. With flocks actually in his medical gear, Night in Sick Bay and Dead Stop are two that come to mind, and those are more of the uh, the silvery grayish looking lab coats that they turned backwards. You know, Flocks wasn't a commissioned officer, so I don't think we ever saw a commissioned Starfleet medical person, did we? So uh, there probably was. I can't imagine they would have been in the jumpsuit in Sick Bay. Yeah. But then Cutler was. Whenever she was helping him out in there, she was still in, in the jumpsuit. She was more, more like a biologist, so it would it would make sense for her to still still be in her jumpsuit. Do you think what Flox was often wearing was Starfleet issue, though? No, I think that was more Denoblian. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, yeah, I think it was Denoblian. Yeah. Not a whole lot there with the, the medical side, because we only saw really Flox there. Their active wear was, you know, basically physical training attire lightweight so that way they could you know play basketball and stuff like that looks great yeah the one that that i've got the example of of is from a first flight when when archer's still a commander at this point and testing what was it the was it the warp four at that point uh warp wasn't the warp two might have been the warp two yeah warp two and that engine became the warp five i believe I, i could be wrong off the top of my head but I feel like it was the Warp 2 engine. Maybe we'll have to do a, a deep dive on First Flight here. So that way we can go look back and laugh at ourselves. But yeah, it had, uh, on, on Archers, it had his name on the on the right side. Not right as incorrect, but right as an opposite of left. I didn't take it that way, don't worry. <laughs> Just clarifying to everybody else. So. <laughs> um, and the uh, Starfleet patch was on the, the left side, or on the left sleeve. For everybody else that kind of came aboard or, you know got cloned they had a provisional uniform which was just a great jumpsuit no rank or anything we saw that mostly in uh, similitude which is why i brought up the the, the the cloning thing and yet when they had 
the uh, princess on the ship in Precious Cargo. Yeah, they threw her in a regular jumpsuit. Yeah, she was put into a uh, Starfleet uniform. So I guess they hadn't come up with anything. At, at, yeah, at that point. She might have looked a bit better in that, actually. Cause I remember the, the jumpsuit, the proper Starfleet one looked, looked a bit oversized on her and stuff. Mm-hmm. I guess because of the shoulders, because she was quite, quite small, wasn't she? But like yeah. the, the shoulder bits can look quite big. Uh, what was the um, Archer in The Expanse? And Trip, I think, as well, are wearing a brown shirt. Do you remember it? When they're drinking, when they're having the drink and they're saying, you know, whatever it takes. And, you know, Trip's like, you know, tell me I'm not going to go tiptoeing around. Blah, blah, blah. It's not a turtleneck on it. But, yeah, it's kind of that same fit, though. Yeah. And we see Archer wearing it again later. I can't think what episode off the top of my head. But that seemed to be, a again, a personal out of, uh, you know... Yeah, off-duty they... uniform because well, they both had it. So maybe Starfleet just issued some general, general wear as well, casual wear. To kind of wrap it up, we'll talk about Depol's adapted Starfleet uniform. What did you think? And then I'll I'll share what I've got on on the notes. So with the with the cat suit she's wearing in the season three and four, um, they could have explained why she was in the cat suit. Season four complicates it because at this point she's a commissioned Starfleet officer, mm-hmm. which she wasn't in season three. She was just kind of a, well, she was a guest on the ship, really. And but season four she's commissioned, so in theory she should have been in the standard uniform. Now, if they had given some kind of explanation as to, even I guess in season one with the the brown, well, the multicolored one, I guess, um, with the browns, one that she was wearing. If they say that it's being worn because it has inbuilt thermal, I don't know, some kind of stuff that helps... Helps keep her warmer. Yeah, regulate the body uh, temperature and things like that. Then the catsuit could have made perfect sense. And we would have had, would have had an in-universe explanation for it. When she switches to the coloured ones in Season 3, it kind of just at that point feels like, okay, Paul just likes to wear a, a catsuit then. She enjoys it. Again, she looks fantastic in it. But... Yeah, the season four complicates the issue because here's my thoughts. In season one and two, I don't think DePaul's catsuit, the colour of it, I don't think it's a sexy uniform. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, they were shown as much of Jolene as they could, but it didn't strike me as so obviously over-sexualized as Jerry Ryan's ones that she'd been right. put in immediately for, uh, for four seasons immediately preceding Enterprise. But season three, Katsu's definitely was starting to focus on some of Jolene's features. Yeah, features, physical attributes, and from top to bottom. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. As much as I can't really find a, a, an explanation in my head for why she would be in the Katsu's, at least in season four, I love her uniforms in season three and four. Particularly when it's got the patch on it in season yeah. four. like. I don't like the reasons that I know she's in the cat suit for right. behind the scenes, but I love that she was changing colours from week to week and I like the design, the thought that went into it. I thought it looked really badass when it had the patches on it in season four. Uh, and she had the pips, I think, if I remember right as well. Pips and then um had a uh, blue striping around the, the shoulder. I like them. I just yeah, I mean the problem is why she was actually in the cat suit. Mm-hmm. But again, if they could have just given us some kind of explanation. Because actually, what I just said is an explanation there. I think that's the explanation they kind of give for Seven. 
being yeah. a cat suit. And I don't know if that was ever explained on the show, but I think the accepted thing with Seven is that her suit had to be, her clothing needed to be that way because it was doing stuff to help her physically. Yeah, with, you know, reclaiming her human biological parts. And, and since it is it is warm, it is warmer on board cubes than than normal Starfleet vessels, so. I don't know why I just couldn't say that word to Paul. You said you were going to share your feelings anyway after mine. I've got, you know, Fracken Berman and his, his desire for cat suits on women. But I do like how, how you know, in 3 and 4, it evolved to kind of match more of everybody else on the ship. We did get to see Jolene in the uh, the jumpsuit there in uh, Twilight, I think it was, when she had to take over for Archer. Yeah, that's right. I was trying to, trying to remember it then. We saw her in the Mirror Universe mm-hmm. one as well, which doesn't quite count. She's yeah. different hair and everything then. I think the colouring as well. When you think how bright and colourful her, her outfits were in season three and four, it almost feels like a little bit of a segue towards mm-hmm. TOS fashion, you know, because we know that they start wearing bright colours and stuff like that becomes a part of the 23rd century. It's almost like we're seeing a glimpse of an alien culture's fashion that is a culture that's going to be so closely linked with Mm -hmm. Earth in the next hundred years that it kind of gives you the idea that those cultural fashion choices start to influence Earth's own choices for, again, like what we start seeing the TOS people wearing and things like that. I really liked her outfits in season three and four. Yeah, I just don't like why they did it. I love that they went to the effort of it, though. Yeah, if you think about yeah. it, you know, they did actually think, well, she's not with the Vulcan High Command now, so let's change her outfit. I like that. But would it have been easier, Chris, if we'd seen more Vulcan women wearing, like, Paul's outfit? Yeah. Uh, in season one and two? Like, seen her around people and, and thought, oh, that is a uniform. It would have made more sense. But apparently Rick couldn't find enough women to, to put in cat suits. Now, there's always been this perception that the network have been the ones wanting the cat suit and stuff. But, you know, in the last, I think the last five, maybe less than that years, Rick Berman's really been outed as... There's never been direct accusations or allegations about him doing anything to the extent of w- that we've seen other right. big producers getting called out for. We should say that. But, and I would imagine something would have come out now if, if, if yeah. there was anything there. But... I think the overall assumption that can be gathered now is that Berman did become a little bit of a just a creep. A bit of a creep just around the women and in the sense of wanting them in these outfits and such. And I'm sure he was keeping the networks happy. Like, or whoever was at head of Paramount at the time. He probably used them as, as the excuse to do it. Exactly, yeah. You know, I think 7 and 9, when they saw how the media jumped onto that, I think there was it was never in doubt that T'Pol was going to be dressed yeah. the same way because that was suddenly how a Trek a woman needed to be, had to be in a catsuit. And I know we'd seen catsuits previously. You know, People have to remind me that Kiro was in a yeah. a catsuit. Not so obvious. I don't, I don't think it was a, a sexual one. It was a similar fit on all the Bajorans. I think that's the big the big difference here that we're kind of pointing out is that, you know, in these two instances with, with Seven and T'Pol, they were skin tight and in some instances tighter. When you have to have loads of people help you get into your outfit every day, I think Jerry Ryan talks about how going for a, mm-hmm. a piss was a problem and things like that. And I mean, that's just think, why are they even in that? Which, you know, kind of, you know, tangenting off and into seven, it is so badass seeing her in her Fenris Ranger attire in, in Picard. I do like that Jerry herself recently killed the story of that she'd pass out on set because of how tight (laughs) 
the cat suits were and that's why they changed to the more sort of fabric stretchy material it looked like in the later seasons because she's in obviously that silver one at the start and um, but she said that wasn't she said that story's not true it's, i think it's just a a myth that has just grown and grown in legendary status over the years but i don't think i've ever seen i've never really seen much from jolene to be fair anyway yeah. but I don't seem to see any complaints from her about the process of wearing the uniform, but I don't know if I've ever really seen anything from her about having to wear the uniform at all or about how she was sexualized on the show. The downside is that, you know, Jolene doesn't go to conventions anymore because about 12 or 13 years ago, some fan was a creep with her, using that word again, and we all miss out as a result. I don't know what went on there, but I guess you could argue that that probably wouldn't have happened had she not been overly sexualized yeah. on the show like that weirdo who did whatever he did to make her feel uncomfortable or whatever the experience was he sees her yeah. that way and saw her that way because rick berman star trek presented her that way and never even tried to give us a an in-universe explanation for it i know the explanation would have been treating us as if we're right. stupid don't get me wrong i understand that you can't suddenly justify something for that but I don't know, it would just make it seem so much less simple yeah. a move, I guess, if you thought that there was some kind of reason why Paul had to still be in a cat suit as the show went on. You know, I just, I cannot explain her being in a cat suit in season four. There's just no explanation for it. If you kind of look at it, though, it does get, you know, looser as the show goes on, too. Not as, as, as tight to the body. Yeah, you're right. But at the same time, it's funny because I think the looser one is what starts to make her look sexier in her day-to-day work do you know what i mean like i said i never really i never really saw the the cat suit of season one and two as like a a sexy outfit on her but i did with the later ones we've done so much season two in particular um reviews on on the expanse so far just going back to, to paul's hair in season one and two just throws me off so yeah. much sometimes because in my head when i picture to paul she looks like season three and four to paul you know mm-hmm. so but yeah again if she suddenly grew her hair out as soon as she clearly wasn't having to follow a regulation of the Vulcan High Command. You know, why did she stay in such tight or form-fitting uniforms? But maybe she thinks she can move better in them. Yeah. Those jumpsuits, you probably can't move in very well. But then she's not military. If she was, like, tactical, security... Yeah. Then I'd... I can't headcanon my way around this. <laughs> I'm going to assume it's it will be to do with regulating the body and, like, temperature yeah. and blood flow and all that stuff. Let's just go with that. And not that Rick Berman and his other old white men at the networks and stuff uh, were just a bunch of perverts who assumed that... That's what everybody wanted. Yeah, that 15-year-old Kyle who was watching Enterprise <laughs> the first time in 2001 was into it. I mean, I probably was. But that says that says more about the fact it's just manipulating teen men and, and, and uh, teen, teen women as well, not just men. But, you know, it's, but it has a negative impact on on women more because these 15 year old girls watching it are thinking oh god i'm am i meant to look like to paul yeah we want people to want to be to paul and look up to to paul because she's such a strong independent intelligent woman but i guess the message they were sending was you can't be all those things but not be sexy as well you've got to be sexy which i am glad that they have on discovery a character like tilly gosh i've listened to a few podcasts and seen a lot of comments online where women have said that Tilly made them feel like they could be a Starfleet officer. Yeah. They'd never felt that way before. They still had heroes in all the Trek shows, but they never thought they could be one of them until they met Tilly. Yeah, they never saw someone that was like them. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that does mean a lot. But also, Discovery has not been innocent, I think, in perhaps showing some unnecessary titillation, I guess. Whenever I watch the Vulcan Hello, mm-hmm. I'm always surprised when Burnham is suddenly shown walking out when she's having like a skin repair oh, from yeah. space. And then she's um, just in like, again, you know, uh, underwear, I guess walking out into the corridor and putting it on. Now, don't get me wrong, the scene feels natural, and I kind of like scenes like that. That It seems natural. Yeah, it's not It's not like the decon chamber scene. It's like, you're no. like, hey, I've got to go say this right now. Damn the consequences. <laughs> yeah, I like that side of it, but the part of me is thinking, it's like, it just seems like such a, again, I use the word cynical, but such a cynical choice to have to show her full body pulling that robe over herself in the corridor, you know. We know why they're doing it. And I don't think Discovery's ever really done anything since then that has left out to me as feeling a bit male gaze. And I don't think they even would try it now. Probably about the closest would be kind of showing the flashbacks of uh, Laurel and Vogue together. See, I was thinking of that and I was wondering, is that the same? Maybe it is. I don't know. It's similar but different. One of those type of things, I think. It was a sex scene, I guess. So you are inviting the idea of... Uh, you'd expect nudity in those scenes, whether you need to show it or not, is up for debate. I don't care. You know, I, when I die, I can think on my deathbed, oh, I got to see Klingon boobs at some point in my life, if I remember them. But I guess with like the Michael walking through, that was kind of like in a situation where we wouldn't expect to see someone like that. So yeah. But I also can still see Michael always doing that and not thinking about that. I mean, Michael wasn't a sexual character mm-hmm. at that point, wasn't aware of her sexuality. I think she is now. Um, as we're in season three, I think she's fully aware of it. But back then, she wouldn't have. It wouldn't have meant anything to her that anyone would see her dressed that way. Well, every time I see it, it just gives me little reminders of what Trek was guilty of doing with Jolene in particular. Yeah. I don't think Seven and Nine got it as bad as T'Pol did. Yeah. A night in sick bay, man. When we, we laugh about it, we joke about it. That last rewatch we did of it, though, God, it hit home even more just how mm-hmm. uncomfortable some of that makes me for how the T'Pol character is treated throughout that whole thing and makes you think, mate, as a man, when we were younger, we probably all had a DePaul that we were talking about in the way that Flocks and Archer were talking about, you know, and and I'm not saying that. I don't mean that in the the way of, uh, you know, boys with boys. I mean, it makes you think that that whole treatment, if you want to take a Trek lesson from it, is that we're probably, a lot of men are are very guilty of at some point in their life before they know any better, and a lot still don't, (laughs) Uh, even as they get older, we're guilty of treating to Paul like that. God. You know, I'm thinking if my daughter grew up and got on a Star Trek show and then I saw her just a character being treated that way where I know it's more than the character, I think I'd lose my shit. And thinking of when Hoshi had to Yes. Crawl through. I can't remember the episode off the top of my head. Shockwave part two. Shockwave. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely unnecessary. Yeah. Top comes off. It's funny she drops, but then you think after it, why? Why did they do that? It wasn't building towards... Because Reed obviously sees her like that. It wasn't building towards Reed and her getting no. together or anything. It, so there was no logical reason for it. Nowadays, I think actresses would go up to the writers and say, why am I having to do this? Yeah. But I bet even if someone did back then, I just don't think that they would have been entertained for the conversation. Yeah. You know, it would have just gone. But I think nowadays, like I said, I don't think you... I just don't think you'd see it in... I think one thing people say about Enterprise is that it's quite 50-50 mm-hmm. with how it sexualized like Trip and stuff as well. But it, yeah. did, it went it went a step further with uh, with T'Pol. Someone was enjoying seeing Jolene get her kit off. 
we'll say it was where where you know most of the other other treks are you know a hundred percent one way. Enterprise seventy five twenty five. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's a better way of putting it. Enterprise was the first one that, even again through the male gaze, the whole show, but yeah. it was the first one that started to present the men in similar fashion. And I don't think TV was really doing that at the time, so there was no need for for Trek to do that. But uh, and it seemed to work. Like women, women were yeah. in love with Trip. <laughs> women loved the uh, uh, loved acquisition and episodes like that. On December 16th, 2020, our weekly discussion will focus on the Star Trek Enterprise novel, Sirach's Soul. This is the third original Enterprise novel, following By the Book and What Price Honor, which we have previously reviewed on this podcast. If you'd like to be fully knowledgeable of what we discuss on December 16th, then please dig out your copy of Sirach's Soul or visit an online retailer to purchase a copy. We look forward to our next book club discussion. The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast, is produced and hosted by Chris Hill and myself, Kyle West, and is a part of the Holosuite Media Podcast Network. To keep up to date with all the news and updates from The Expanse, be sure to follow NX01Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find Chris Hill on Twitter at the Chris Hill and myself on Twitter at Kyle Thomas West. To join the Holosuite Media Community Discussion Group, simply type The Nexus into the Facebook search bar and we'll see you there. Thank you for listening. This show is brought to you by Holosuite Media. Computer, list other available Holosuite Media programs. Loading Holosuite Preview Program for Boldly Go, a Star Trek Strange New Worlds podcast. It's too much effort and I'm busy. I gotta get this done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had stuff to do. He had logs to plant. He had a ship to take over. He had an entire plot to uh, to fill out and make everyone think that he needed to have a trial for mutiny <laughs> because that will distract everyone long enough for them to get to Talos for. He's busier than Prince Humperdinck. Loading Holosuite preview program for Starpod Trek, a podcast exploring Gene Roddenberry's vision of the future. So we're seeing that the early Star Trek conventions were were a nice balance between science fiction and real world science, and that was cool because th- because a lot of uh, Star Trek fans are interested in science, and a lot of, and I mean all of those um, science guests that were there probably were Star Trek fans, and and they they probably even said that that they got into to science because of their love of Star Trek. Loading Holosuite preview program for the Vedic Assembly. A Deep Space Nine podcast. We don't know what that Cardassian technology is, but it could, yeah. Do we need to know? No, nah. we don't need to right, know. Just some bit know. of self-stealing, self-sealing stem bolts. Yes, it wants those self-sealing stem bolts. And <laughs> Somebody wants them. <laughs> because self-sealing, you guys. Yes. I mean, it's not just a regular stem bolt. <laughs> I don't know why you don't get why these are so valuable. Okay. Computer, deactivate Holosuite.